the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black talking investing, retirement, insurance, and much, much more. Let's talk about Jamie Dimon. He is one of the best of the best in the industry of finances. He is someone very much so like Warren Buffett, who when he talks, I pay a lot of attention to. I may not like what he says, but I certainly pay attention. Um, he comes across as crass. He's one of those types that might say, you know, if workers don't want to come back to work, then we'll just fire them. That's pretty crass to me. Like he says it like he sees it. I think he's someone you should pay attention to. If I were to have a, a massive heart attack today and die, I want you to pay attention to Buffett. I want you to pay attention to Jamie Dimon. Start, and then I want you to find a couple of your own Buddhas and gurus to pay attention to. He's a mega bank CEO. He runs JP Morgan, which I think is a great long-term patient investment, uh, especially with higher interest rates. Um, or you know what's the funniest part? I, I need to fix this, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. These are normal interest rates. We were in super low interest rates for 10, 15 years. And I hope you benefited. If you didn't get real estate during those super low interest rates, your real estate may look a lot more boring in the future. As Megabank CEOs attend their annual congressional hearings, yep, on a regular basis, they talk about the economy. They get passed around by Congress. Jamie Dimon. What do you think inflation will do to the Midas citizens of South Carolina? And you're, you're seeing basically Congress people using the megabank CEOs as you know, beating children. Uh, uh, not beating children. <laughs> Redheads? No, no. Um, as punching bags. How about that? And they just try to get a good quote for their reelections. JP Morgan. CEO, Jamie Dimon, he provides a written remark before he goes in front of Congress to kind of touch on where he sees macroeconomic trends going. He says, specifically, we have strong consumer spending and a robust labor market against the backdrop of historic inflation and unprecedented money tightening, also known as monetary tightening by the Federal Reserve. So let's hit that real quick one more time because it's really, really simple. Strong consumer spending, robust labor market, historic inflation, unprecedented monetary tightening by the Federal Reserve. Those are the four key elements of what he said. He says, we have a U.S. economy that is a classic tale of two cities. There are headwinds and there are tailwinds making it challenging to predict the future. His prepared marks mentioned strong consumer spending. Plentiful job openings that continue to surprise to the upside. Healthy businesses while also heightening 
um, crushing inflation, which has eroded worker income, supply chain imbalances, the ongoing war in Ukraine, and the rapid quantitative tightening. The Federal Reserve is is pulling out of the system. Now, you can say that, yeah, they're leaving us high and dry. They're going to ruin the economy. But you know what they're also doing? They're reloading their ammo to save the economy. He's highlighting it very, very clearly. We have plentiful job openings. Yeah, we have a healthy business environment. We have crushing inflation that is eroding worker incomes, supply chain imbalances, and the ongoing war in Ukraine, rapid quantitative tightening. For the record, just to show you the supply chain thing, remember? Antidotal evidence. Rob Black moved into a home 14 months ago. And Rob Black ordered a dining room table 13 months ago. Still not here. I'm not going to have a party. <clears throat> but next week, it's it's slated to come. So Rob's going to be able to eat at a dining room table for the first time in a year. Have friends over and sit like adults versus sitting in a, a booth in the kitchen. Now listen to this, what Jamie Dimon also says, not just about supply chain imbalances. He says um, he thinks the economy is be tipped into a recession by the Federal Reserve. But here's a great quote. Quote, while these storm clouds build on the horizon, even the best and brightest economists are split to whether these could evolve into a major economic storm or something much less severe. He is calling it like he sees it, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't see that inside the stock market right now, you're missing something. I can't find reasons to be negative other than high inflation and a tightening Fed. Can't find it. Now, again, what, what, what's tightening inflation? Well, like, certainly Ukraine. It's certainly supply chain. It, it's certainly a lot of things, right? But strong labor is not a bad problem to have. <laughs> when you have it in a backdrop of a pandemic and people refusing to come back to work or bitching and moaning about it, it becomes problematic. Chief Executive Jane Frazier of Citibank, she too is speaking. She echoed the sentiments that Jamie Dimon said, quote, today, the worst of COVID may be behind us, but the economic challenges we face are no less daunting. Dimon and Frazier, other bank executives scheduled to face congressional leaders, um, include Bank of America CEO Brian Monahan, Wells Fargo CEO Charlie Scharf. Then you get leaders of regional banks like Truist and U.S. Bancorp, PNC. Committee hearing is titled Holding Mega Banks Accountable Oversight of America's Largest Consumer-Facing Banks. It's one of the reasons I have to pay attention to politics. Because America's largest commercial banks play a critical role in the everyday lives of consumers and the overall health of our economy. And what they see and what they testify to helps give me some insight into how to invest. Again, let me throw down these names if you want to put them in Google Alerts. Anytime Jamie Dimon talks, I pay attention. Jane Frazier, Brian Moynihan from Bank of America, a little less so Wells Fargo CEO Charlie Scharf because they have a lot of problems they're still fixing at Wells Fargo. On the account of banks, executives are poised 
to lament over hurdles facing their industry. Jamie Dimon, he moans and he groans about capital requirements and the sum of liquid capital financial institutions are required to hold by regulators to ensure that the majority of bank holdings are not compromised or filled with investments that increase the risk of default. Back when we had the financial crisis and Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers went down and out, completely gone, we had to do something. And our regulators from the Federal Reserve said, hey, I think we should make them hold more money. So that if there is a problem with, say, bad loans on mortgages or bad, I don't know, a run on money, a severe recession, that the banks can still lend money. They could still lose money without losing their core assets, causing them to become illiquid. So that's what Jamie Dimon's moaning about. Now, Here's what America thinks about Jamie Dimon. Oh, he's just a capitalist pig. Uh, He's just upset that he didn't get another bazillion dollar bonus this year. He makes millions of dollars a year. Some of his staff makes $15 to $20 a year. I get it. I I get why Americans don't like big bankers, but I'm going to tell you, Jamie Dimon's all that in a bucket of chicken. When he says we are a tale of two cities that have strong headwinds and strong tailwinds, he is not missing the mark. That's how you should feel, in my opinion. There's opportunity that's going to come out of the Fed reloading, raising interest rates, cutting their balance sheet. They have more ammo to help us in the future. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. As always, thanks for listening. I'm dedicated to giving you enough financial news to enrich you, to make your soil full of nutrients so you can grow your oak tree of a retirement account. One of the areas that I like to play in is stocks. I know I shouldn't. I should really be pushing index funds and ETFs for you that are diversified and telling you to go about your merry way. But something in me tells me you're going to do stocks with or without me. So I try to show you what I see in the stock market of stocks, what I like and don't like. Um, 20 years ago, I started buying Apple shares of Apple because there was a CEO of B Operating Systems, B-E-O-S, B Operating Systems, um, guy named Gasset. I think it was Jean-Paul Gasset. I'm getting his middle name wrong. It wasn't Jean-Luc, but it was Gasset. It was Jean something. Um, And he was kind of a competitor of Next, which was an operating system that Steve Jobs was basically fired from Apple. And he went out and started Next. And he went out and started Pixar. And Gasset was a, a peer, if you will, of Apple's. Um, and a lot of people thought Apple, when they needed a new operating system to really start competing with Windows, that Apple would buy B operating systems because it was it was it was a lovely operating system. But no, Apple went back to Steve Jobs and said, "We'll buy your operating system, bring you back to the company." Greatest move Apple ever made, right? 
But I wrote a newsletter on a hot stock tip called Can Apple Be Saved? And I wrote maybe because of B operating systems. This was back in 98. So you do the math there, right? And Apple was incredibly cheap. I don't know where it was stock adjusted, but probably a buck fifty. So that's when I started buying shares of Apple. In theory, I got that one smack dab right, but I got it right for the wrong reasons. I thought B operating systems was going to be a, was going to be done, and not next and Steve Jobs. But I was talking about could Apple be saved because they had a, a they they made Macs and they had one percent of the computer market out there, and PCs had ninety nine percent HP, Dell, Compaq. They own the world of, of personal computers, and I was like, one percent can grow to two percent pretty easily, and that's exponential. So that's the story of me and Apple, right? Now, let's do another stock pick right here, right now. Uh, I don't think this is the next Apple, but I think they're an interesting play in the short term, medium term, and potentially long term. So it kind of checks a couple boxes for me. It's a company called Generac. They make generators for when power goes out. I think Tesla makes generators when power goes out, called solar batteries. Generac, though, is going to work in the Pacific, uh, in the North, uh, North Atlantic states, Northwest, Northeast, I'm sorry. It's going to work in the Canadian cold, whereas solar doesn't work quite as well. Record heat waves, western wildfires, rolling blackouts, hurricanes, all are good news for generator maker. Generac Holdings. Its shares have been falling sharply this year. That creates an opportunity as we head into hurricane season. Uh, the headlines become very, very big. North Carolina without power for 13 days in a row. Well, people with generators are okay. Generac is the dominant name in residential standby power generation with about three quarters of the U.S. market. Those sales make up half the company's revenue with the remainder coming from commercial and industrial customers. Little wonder that Generac is known as a storm stock. It is a play on hurricanes, which happened pretty much so like clockwork until this year. The United States has had a hurricane in the month of August every year for as long as I can remember, except this year. So it's known as a storm stock. Sales shot up $1.5 billion in 2013, nearly double what it was two years previously. Generac just kept going. Any event involving outages, including storms, blackouts, utility failure, whatever, it drives increased awareness and therefore increased sales. Um, it's considered a necessity to have power to live at times. It runs on propane, big enough to run most of the house in the event of an outage. It's not uncommon in rural neighborhoods where branches from old Norway maple seems to come down you know, on the power lines on a regular basis. It's reassuring to know that it's there for the next weather event. 
if you've ever lost power for two, three, four days, you feel, and I know this is a bad comparison, but you feel like you live in the middle ages. Don't open the fridge ever. Like don't open the fridge. You can let all the cold air out. Just 6% of us households own generators. If it can expand one percentage point, like I'm telling you, Apple was the reason I bought shares of Apple. It has the ability to increase sales by 340% and earnings by 664%. To me, California looks like an untapped market that could fuel growth for Generac. It's way cheaper than getting a... um, It's way cheaper than getting um, a solar panel and a solar battery. One of the problems with generators is a lot of times they run on natural gas. And during wildfires, you don't have access to natural gas. A lot of times your local utility will say, we're going to turn off all the natural gas as well as the electricity. So that's why sometimes when it runs on propane, you're like, oh, you're better off. I have a neighbor here that has a generator. I've got a solar battery. When we lose our power, which we probably lose six, seven times a year, maybe for like planned outages, upgrades to the system. It's not that windy nights kind of thing. But hearing her generator fire up, it's like... I live in a valley, so you hear it quite loud. California hasn't been historically a home standby generator market. States in the Northeast, for instance, have penetration rates of 10 to 20% for the winter months. Less than 2.5% of Californians have standby power. Generate is acting like a broken stock. Its shares have dropped 50% this year, making it the 16th worst performing stock in the S&P 500. So for me, it's compelling to look at. The greening of power generation has raised some concerns about obsolescence, and everyone has solar panels on their roof now in California. No one needs a generator, but solar panels and battery storage still cost multiples of what a a Generac system costs. It's all about exponential growth potential. I'm Rob Black. Now back to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Let's talk EVs, electric vehicles. Electric vehicle stocks have had a rough year. But if you're looking to gain exposure, I'm going to go over some names that you can consider. Consult a broker advisor before taking any action on any stocks ever mentioned during this show. All stocks have risks. We've seen the Joe Biden Inflation Reduction Act. It's a funny name for a bill that to me is really about, I don't know, helping the environment with a little bit of inflation reduction. 2022 has been a rough year for growth stocks. So whether you're a semiconductor or a software, a hardware maker of technology, or if you're an EV stock, it's kind of been all lumped together, sell, 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 anything with a high valuation. That's great news if you have money to put into the market. It's horrible news if all your money was involved in growth stocks. The value of a stock today is determined by its future earnings discounted versus today's prices. The higher interest rates go, the lower those future earnings are worth in today's dollars. I'm not going to explain that concept. 
if you don't get it, you don't get it. It's one of the ones that is more problematic for people to understand. The Federal Reserve has been very aggressive in fighting inflation with higher interest rates, thus hitting all growth stocks with an ugly stick. The notion of an electric vehicle company may seem antiquated in just a few years. Um, just throwing that down for you. We're quickly becoming used to electric vehicles. My first electric vehicle or semi-electric vehicle was a hybrid Toyota Prius. And it was probably the worst car I've ever owned. It felt like a golf cart. It, it wasn't a good experience. So to me, that kept me out of electric vehicles or hybrids for a while. Interesting how Toyota really hasn't made a big bet on electric vehicles. Right? You picking up what I'm putting down? They're a big car maker. They have not gone all in. Expanding the market in the recently passed Inflation Reduction Act, which introduced a $7,500 tax credit for new EVs and a $4,000 credit for used ones. There are rules and limitations to the EV tax credit. It's a big incentive for you to go green, especially when you consider the total cost of ownership of an EV over its lifetime. I have a Tesla that doesn't need oil changes. It doesn't need, it's, it's all electric. Fixing it doesn't involve like taking apart the engine or working on belts. It's been a nice perk. As electricity rates have gone higher, it's been a really nice perk to charge it off my roof. So I get the perks, right? You do too, I think. Every stock in the electric vehicle world is slightly speculative to greatly speculative. For instance, there's a company called Polestar, Polestar. Ticker symbol is PSNY. It has six different electric vehicles out there. If I were to call it a poor man's Tesla, you would laugh at me, but it is a poor man's Tesla. The electric performance hardtop convertible Roadster is based on the Polster Precept concept car. It's got a pretty interesting look. Um, it's got pretty good electric performance and the thrill of fresh air when you take the top down. Once in my life, when I was 19 years old, I went on a road trip where I rented a really you know, classic Mustang convertible because I wanted to put the top down and enjoy the fresh air of the road trip, right? That novelty wore off pretty quickly, um, but in my head, it was a romantic novelty. So this is a risky one. They're never going to compete with Tesla in volume, volume, volume. They're expected to sell $200,000 vehicles in the year 2026. That's insane. So far, they've delivered about 21,000 vehicles. Analysts don't love the stock. But if you were to watch who could acquire them, 
Uh, it could be a large China automaker. It could be Volvo. There's different plays there for sure. A company whose car I really, really like, it might be my next electric vehicle, is Lucid. Ticker symbol LCID. Shares are down nearly 57% year to date. Not helping the shares was late August news that Lucid filed an S3 uh, registration filing with the Securities Exchange Commission. S filings are filings that happen in between the quarter. Q filings are what happen every 90 days. K filings are what happen every year. I read these. They're legal documents. And you learn to get through boilerplate, 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 boilerplate. Then you get to important information. The company has some liquidity issues. It's going to raise $8 billion over the next three years for offering shares, which means they're going to hurt current shareholders by printing new shares. They've got 37,000 reservations for its Lucid Air luxury sedan, up from 30,000 reported in the first quarter. Reservations represent $3.5 billion in potential future income. That's compelling. If you're Ford or GM and you're like, hmm, do we come up with our own brand or do we buy someone else's brand and slap our logo on it? I'll tell you the Lucid powertrain technology is innovative. It's competitive. It could compete with Tesla, but not on volume. But damn, does that car look nice. Inside and outside. Ford is going to be a big player in electricity. I'm going over some stock ideas for you. They are excited to be in the electrical vehicle world. They're cutting jobs from operations. Part of its structural, let's cut gas vehicle structure and restructure into an electric vehicle company. The F-150 Lightning is hot to the point that they're raising prices. Um, I think Ford is trading at incredibly cheap multiples. So if you look at Lucid, you're like, that's a really expensive stock on multiples. If you look at Ford, you're like, that's a really cheap stock if you're able to sell a lot of vehicles. And electric vehicles have a lot more profit. So Tesla figured that out and Ford and GM were like, dang, man, you figured out how to make money in cars. Berkshire Hathaway is a player. They own a Chinese automotive electronics firm. They don't own completely, but they have a big investment in BYD. But they've been cutting that investment, so be cautious on that one. Berkshire Hathaway gets you diversification, but BYD gets you into electric vehicles in China. Their share of new energy vehicles, also known as NEVs, in China is 24.7%. So if you want a lot of diversification, but still a big generator of uh, vehicles to the tune of 2 million plus, Consider Berkshire Hathaway's backdoor play into BYD. Obviously, Tesla is a play on electric vehicles. Rivian Automotive is kind of a uh, a play very similar to Lucid. Rivian is ticker symbol RIVN. They're all making vehicles so far, right? Or have some sort of play into making vehicles. 
Rivian is on solid footing. The company is simplifying its production and supply chain, including scrapping the entry-level versions of both its electric truck and SUV by eliminating the Explore package, which had a starting price of 67000 in favor of a more expensive adventure package. It's trying to deliver more vehicles by making their, their production line simpler. Its previous production rows appear to be lessening. They have a $5 billion plant being built in Georgia. They're not building a $5 billion plant because they want to go out of business. They're building it because they want to stay in business. Another company to consider is Hyundai. They've got a couple EV hits on their hands with the Hyundai Ionic 5 and the Kia EV6. I actually like those cars. Uh, Not to the point of buying one, but pretty darn close. I think the Ionic 5 looks kind of cool. When I see it on the road, I go, ooh, what's that car? They're reasonable size while being relatively affordable. That's something that's really not alive and well in the market right now. So. There's a company called Li Automotive, ticker symbol LI, obviously a Chinese EV maker. So you're going to run into some Chinese risk where sometimes China's government plays like they're capitalists and sometimes they play as if they're communists. Um, But again, China's market is too big to ignore. I just gave you eight, nine or 10 electric vehicle stocks that are well-funded and are going to stick around because they're well-funded or they're going to be acquired which is also a play on electric stocks. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. So I was talking to a mortgage lender yesterday, a guy named Joe Cucciera, who you've heard on this air before. And we're just talking about the market, just shooting the poop, if we if you will. And uh, he said, what do you think's going on in real estate? I said, well, I'd still buy real estate with the premise in my head that I'm overpaying and interest rates are high. So I'm like, no, I probably wouldn't buy right now. As we talked, we, we kind of were coming up with some, some thoughts. You know, maybe if I can find a select market. But I'm not really looking for a select market right now, so I'm probably not going to find it. I said, if I were to put pressure on myself, I'd get an adjustable rate mortgage for seven years. Because I think the Fed's going to push us into a recession and the Fed's going to start lowering interest rates. That's my premise. Will it happen exactly like that? Nope, it never does. But if I'm close, then that's the right thing to do in my mind. What I would also do is I would get my act together before I even considered a mortgage, which I'll probably be thinking about real estate sometime in the next six to 18 months to add to my portfolio to give you very specific thoughts. Mortgage rates have skyrocketed to their highest level since 2008, mere months after sitting near record lows. Skyrocketing to their highest level since 2008. I'm going to tell you, where we're at now is pretty damn good. Um, I feel you can walk into a bank today, and if you've got a good credit score and you have a good job, you've got some money to put down on a home, They're willing to give you half a million to a million dollars just for having a pulse. So my producer, who's 25 roughly, he goes, man, mortgage rates are high because all he's ever seen is mortgage rates that are super low. No, no, these are these. this is a doable number. 
if down the road we get some mortgage deductions worked back in for high cost homes on the East Coast and West Coast, um, then it becomes even more attractive. Trump took um, a lot of deductions away because he considered the coastal cities not to be friendly to his agenda. Um, so in his tax writing policies, he kind of punished uh, people with high expensive mortgages. If those laws ever change or revert, it's going to be interesting again. Mortgage rates are high right now compared to where they were. But in 2008, I bought a home with a 6.5% mortgage rate, and I was thrilled to get that. Now people are looking at 6.5% mortgage rates, and they're going, it's too high. I can't possibly buy a home. I refinanced when mortgage rates went down 5%. I refinanced when mortgage rates went down 3%. I I bought a new home when mortgage rates hit 2.5%. So on my mortgages right now, I am somewhere between 25 to 3% on all my mortgages that are going to last for 30 years or 27 years left or 29 years left or 25 years left. So I'm good with that. And if I were to get another home, yeah, I'd probably start with a starter rate of around 6%. And I expect a recession to hit. I expect the Fed to lower interest rates to fight inflation, uh, raise interest rates to fight inflation, then lower interest rates to stoke speculative investing in real estate and in stocks. So what am I doing right now? If I can go in the future six months and get a home, maybe 18 months in the future, I would tell myself, make sure you compare quotes, Rob. Time traveling Rob wants me to compare with a couple brokers, a couple lenders, like Joe Couture is a lender, Tony Mendez is a lender. They're two that I trust. I would never use my local bank. Uh, my local bank has some 19 year old kid who has his first cheap suit on. No, thank you. You tend not to get people who know the industry in banks, you tend to get their first job is in a bank. So I'm not a big, oh, I've been doing business with Bank of America for 30 years. I'm going to go in and they're going to do me good. Now they're going to give you a kid with pimples who's trying to impress his mom and dad by actually working outside of the house. Nope. I do miss bank tellers. I remember going to banks and like, um, I probably tried to get a a date with a girl from a bank teller. Like uh, I would go to the bank extra often, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Oh, I need money for the weekend. What are you doing this weekend? Um, I do miss bank tellers. It's kind of like phone booths, right? They're going the way of the dodo bird. All my checks that I get now, which I don't get a lot of checks, I auto deposit with my phone. Take a picture of it. Zip, 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 zip. No bank teller. So I would tell my future self, who's buying real estate in six to 18 months from now, get a couple quotes, find out what's out there. I can assure you that different lenders have different packages and different wholesale mortgage companies have different packages. Make your credit, make sure it's in order. I would tell myself, um, I have an app called credit karma, but also I have annualcreditreport.com, which I use three times a year. Um, I get my annual credit checked with Equifax. I know you're saying annual credit report. That sounds like you only get to check your report once a year. No, no. There's three bureaus who report credit scores and you get to check with the, each of them once a year. So 
Um, every four months, I get an Equifax Experian or TransUnion from annualcreditreport.com. And I check my credit to make sure nothing is uh, is wrong with it. Someone on Amazon opened an account and delivered packages under my name to an apartment in New York. I've always wanted to go to this apartment in New York and knock on the door and go, why did you steal from me? Um, and it, it dinged my credit. So I got that fixed. There was inaccurate information. I didn't live in New York. Mortgage lenders, when making lending decisions, look at your credit report to see if you're responsible. I think before you get married, you should look at your partner's credit report to see if they're responsible with credit cards, personal loans, auto loans, that they have a good track record of on-time payments. Otherwise, you might be marrying into a problem. I would tell my future self, pay down any lingering debts. I would tell myself, consider making a larger down payment to get a lower rate on credit. That's what I would tell my future self. That's what you should tell yourself right now. That's how you fix your credit. That's how you get your credit score higher. Those four simple things. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.